I have six confessions to make today. We're calling it, again, Confessions of Pastor Dave. We've done this for the last six, seven years or so. It's where I confess my issues, and then maybe you can relate to the same issues as well. And as we were just singing that song, it's just like, why don't we love Jesus more this year? I mean, if he is, or since he is, the King of kings, he is the Lord of lords, he is magnificent, he is holy, he is Savior, he is God, he is above all, why don't we love him more? And as you'll see through these confessions, is because we love ourselves more. We love the world more. We love our sin more. So my prayer is that this year, we as Catalyst Church will truly love Jesus more than we have ever, and even come back to the, the state of loving him more than you did when you first came to know Christ. So I'm going to share with you some of my confessions, uh, but before we do, let's pray. And I'm, I, we do this so that you can recognize um, that we're all in this together. That I am as messed up as you are. I might have degrees. I might be called to be a pastor. I might have a microphone strapped to my, my face. I might be able to study or all this stuff. But I'm just, I'm just a real person just like you. And if you ever are following a pastor or following a church or whatever, um, that they seem like they've got it all together, they don't. Run away quickly from them. So let us be real people with real lives, learning who the real answer is and falling deeply in love with him. Sound good? That technically should be the sermon just right there, right? Love God more. Amen. Let's be the Baptist McDonald's, right? So let me pray and then let's see what God's up to. Father God, as I confess the things that you've laid on my heart that are troubling to you, as I've prayed over and over, may I come back to you, my first love, and may we as a church come back to you as our first love, and as we do so, May we confess our sins to you and thank you for being faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us for all of our unrighteousness. May it start with me and may we all follow suit. I pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? So my first confession is, is simply this. I confess that I, I did not really love my wife Rachel when I first married her compared to how much I love her today. Let, let me just say that again. I confess that I really did not love my wife, Rachel, um, when I first married her as much, and I compared to as much as I love her today. Now, I'm just going to give you gentlemen the opportunity to be um, the husband of the year, because um, maybe you can relate to that. How many of you men love your wife more today than you did when you first married her? Raise your hand. All right. Wives, you see that? All right. And I'm not going to ask the other way around. If you don't love her more, you can keep your hands down for that. Because in reality, when it comes to love, 
Love is something that is, is a verb, as DC talk. Um, it's a verb that we learn to do more often, and as the muscle of love keeps getting strengthened, you and I will be able to love each other more. Um, and let me just, let's just be real with dating life. Dating, there's really no commitment. I mean, just if you're in this room and you are engaged, you're not married. If you are dating somebody, you're just dating somebody. They're, they're a convenient person to have with you. I, I remember when I was dating my wife, it was more in Bible college more than anything. It was fun to hang out with her. It really was. But I wasn't committed to her. It was fun to talk to her, but there's some stuff that I didn't want to talk to her about. Why? Because I wasn't committed to her. Um, we had sort of the same friend groups and... I was not committed to her friend groups or her to mine. Um, I found it very easy to be fake around my, my, in my dating. I mean, it's just like I'll put on a mask and be this kind, tender-hearted, loving person and as godly as I can. And um, I, it was easy for me to be fake and not to share with her some things that I was struggling with, whether sin or whatever it might be. Um, because I, I remember when, when we said our I do's and a couple weeks passed, she looked at me and said, where's the, where's the guy that I dated? And so she's like, we're two weeks in. We said I do's. We're committed to life. We say we love each other. But in fact, I liked her. And when I said the I do's, I did love her. So let me encourage you, each and every one of us, Love is a commitment. It's not just a convenience that we, we have. Um, and even think about Rachel and I were virgins when we got married. Everybody gasped. Oh, that doesn't really happen very much. But by the grace of God, we were. But in the culture that we live in, if you like somebody, um, you need to like them in bed as well. Ladies and gentlemen, let me encourage you, that is not of God from the very beginning. So when we first got married, I just, just to be real, I was selfish, selfless, uh, selfishly in love with her. In other words, now I have somebody to do my laundry. Now I have somebody to cook for me. Now I have somebody to have sex with. I mean, it was just, it was great. But honestly, I didn't really love her. I love her, but I didn't love her. You get the idea? I really didn't. Now, we've been married for 23 years. By the grace of God only, 23 years. And I can honestly say with all my heart, I love this woman more than I've ever loved her or really any human being ever. Why? Because we worked through our marriage, we worked through our disagreements, we worked through our life, and we stayed committed. Why? Because we made a commitment. And because of this, we saw our failures, we saw our successes, and we united together as a couple under God, and here we are, 23 years of marriage. Has it been easy? No. But it has been love, loving as Christ first loved us. And I'm committed. I am all in now with her. As Rachel said, you're stuck with me now, and I'm like... I'm blessed for sure. Now, why did I confess that from the very beginning? Because that confession is our, needs to be our spiritual confession as well. 
when you look at marriage, it actually is more about a symbol or a declaration of Christ's commitment to us and our commitment to him in love. He loves us, so we love him. We, we yield to him. We submit to him in everything. And if you look at culture today, one of the number one ways that the evil one attacks Christianity, attacks Christians, is through marriage and gender. If we can get those messed up and not displaying correctly, everything else falls away. Marriage, gender. So I want to encourage you, if you are married in this room and you're struggling, keep it up. Keep fighting for your marriage. Be committed. You said I do, and be I do to death do you part. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a beautiful example of Christ and his church. This is what he says in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read through this. And I, I've, I've, listen, I've preached this passage a hundred times. I've done marriage conferences on this. I mean, you go to marriage conference, these are the verses that are shared. All right? But this passage, as you actually study it, is actually a mystery, more of a declaration of how our lives need to reflect, our lives as the church need to reflect to our love for him and his love for us and is displayed in marriage. So let me go and read it. Submitting to one another out of what? Reverence to Christ. So we are submitting in a marriage, and in our spiritual marriage too, a reverence to Christ. Wives, wives and husbands, submit to your own husbands as is. That's the example. That's the mirror. In each of these, you'll see the green is the mirror as if. This is why it is. So husbands and wives, submit to, to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as an example, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and in, is himself its Savior. Now as, mirror passage, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit. By the way, this word submit here really means yield to. So it's not a dictator. So Christ is dictating over us. No, we need to yield to him and let him go first. Let him go first. So now as the church yields to Christ... As we yield to Christ, so also wives should yield to in everything their husbands. Husbands, what's the next word? Love your wife. How should we love our wife? As, mirror, mirror statement again, as Christ loved his church. And how did Christ love his church? He gave himself up for her that she might be sanctified, that sanctify her and cleanse her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the, the church to himself in splendor without any spot or wrinkle or any such things, that she might be holy, set apart in, um, set apart and without blemish. In the same way, so there's that passage again, in the same way, mirroring this husband should love, how should we love? As Christ loved this church, how should we love? As what? Christ loved the church. So men, listen, you love sacrificially and not selfishly. I can tell you, part of my confession again is, I was very selfish in my early stages of marriage. But when I saw how Christ loved me, I started to love Christ 
as I should be and my wife as well. All right, here you go. Loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nurtures it and cherishes it, just as, mirror passage again, just as Christ does the church, because we are, what? Members of his body. Therefore, therefore, a man should, what? Okay, therefore, a man should, what? Leave his father and mother, and to, what? Hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I'm going to pause right here. Listen. This passage again is that mystery of what a godly family should look like as God connects to us with love. I want you to see what if this passage said at the very end, we should leave our what? Fathers and mothers. And we should hold fast to who? Our spouse. Listen, this is the exact same way we as the church should be. We should leave our sinful desires in the past and cleave to Christ Jesus. We should leave the world behind and to be committed to Christ Jesus. It's the same thing. We should leave the father, mother, our old life, and become made new in Christ Jesus. Again, this is what the passage is teaching. This is a mystery, is profound, and I am saying that this refers to all the greens, to Christ and his what? His church. So, from the very beginning, I want to confess to you that I love my beautiful wife, Rachel, much more than I have ever, but I used to not. I used to just like her. I sort of loved her selfishly, but now today I love her so much more. This should be an example of what we as Christ followers should be. So the question for today is, do you like Jesus or do you love Jesus? Think think about this. Do you like Jesus or do you love Jesus? Now, it's so easy in church. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And the answer to this is, you probably don't love Jesus as much as you should. True? You probably don't love Jesus as much as you should. True? And here's my confession. I do love Jesus. I really do love Jesus more today than I did when I first believed. I really do. I really do. But I still struggle with loving him for who he is and not loving him for what he can, what? Do or give me. Many times we come into Christianity and we say, we have the creator of the God, a creator God who loves us so much, gave his son. Now, what can you do for me? I mean, think about this. Let's look at your prayers. How much of your prayers and my prayers are about give me, give me, give me. Help me, help me, help me. Versus you're awesome. I love you so much. Think about that. So do we like him or we love him? And part of my confession is I'm still struggling with that. I still struggle with what he can do for me. And I've caught myself over this time preparing for this. I've caught myself of praying more to him about my needs versus about just just talking to him as my friend and my father. So 
We're going to summarize this with this. Here's what liking Jesus looks like. It's a before commitment to Jesus as Lord and Savior as the benefits or perceived benefits that you can get from him. So I've come up with a comparison. This might be um, like, here's your sign. What's that comedian that says, here's your sign? Okay, so here, here's your sign. This is, these are the signs of you possibly liking Jesus more than you loving Jesus. And it starts with this. Here's the list. It'll be up on the screen. And it says this, going to church when it is convenient versus be not being the church, all right? Being a part of a serving church, but not what? Serving. Knowing about him, but what? Not knowing him. Praying to him for what I, what? Need, but not praying for him for a relationship. Doing good deeds, um, and praising God for others, of, of doing good deeds for the praise of others. How many times, well, I serve at the food pantry, good, I give this, good job. It's like you want the praise of others, a.k.a. you like their praise more than the glory of God, which that continues to say, um, or the glory of God. Saying that I'm a Christian around other who? Other Christians, but not around who? All right. All right. Reading the Bible for knowledge, which is good, but... The Bible is not about you, it's about him, because it's, but not about reading the Bible, to know him more. Like the convenience of religion, the feel good, you come to church on Sunday, whatever, you feel good, you come to Bible study, you feel good, and then you leave and nothing's changed, but not committed to the relationship with Christ Jesus. So I'm just going to, going to it's going to give you a few statements, and then we're just going to focus in on the love part. Do you like or love Jesus is the question. If you like Jesus, it's more of a lifelong convenience of Jesus by removing selfless love and replacing it with selfish love, just as the world models. If you like Jesus, you selfishly love him. But if you love him, you will selflessly love him. I'm going to say that again. If you like Jesus, you're going to be about yourself. I like him and what he can offer me versus him and loving him selflessly. Because loving him is truly a lifelong commitment. It's kind of like you're wearing the ring. It's a lifelong commitment. You can't take the ring off, which I can, I can barely take the ring off. You marriage is like the ring. You're committed. There's no beginning or end. They're just ongoing. And it's precious, kind of like precious metal. It's, it's precious. And when you put on Christ, listen, you're off the market to the rest of people. I wear this ring. Ladies, just to let you know, I'm off the market. Sorry to bust your bubble. But I'm going around, and I'm wearing this proudly. Do you wear Jesus on your heart proudly that says, I'm off the market, world. I'm off the market, flesh. I'm off the market, sin. Because I'm committed to Christ Jesus for life. This is the difference between liking him and saying, I'm on the market, world. I'm on the market, sin. I like, I, I like this idea, but ladies and gentlemen, 
This is expensive. But being committed to Christ Jesus is about selfless love. And he modeled it. Our job is to live it out as well. So, what proof is there that you might like Jesus more than you do love him? It's simply put. Here's the number one. Number, number one proof of you liking Jesus more than loving him is this. How much you look like the world and the people of the world. So just, I mean, like, literally, if, if, if I could put a GoPro camera on your chest... And I could say, hey, go to work and just be, be normal. Would I hear and see you or myself living just like anybody else? And if the GoPro camera would be on somebody else, they see you. Would you model Jesus or would you model the world or them? For, for example, if you, if you go to work or social media, wherever, you just go to public. Because it's easy for us to model Jesus here in a, in a church setting. Very easy, very easy. But when you go out there, do you look like them? Or do you look like him? Do you look like them? Or do you look like him? And you can't answer the question. Because it's what other people see and perceive. Why? Because we can fake it till we make it. That's part of liking Jesus versus loving him. Romans chapter 12, 1 through 2, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, present your life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual. Uh, spiritual. Do not conform. Do not be like the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, his good, acceptable, and perfect will. John chapter, 1 John chapter 2, it says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. I'm going to read that again. Do not love the who? World. Or even the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away all of his desires and all of his passions. But whoever does the will of God will last forever. Colossians 3, set, this is a mindset. You're setting your mind on the things above and not on the things of the world. So if you love Jesus, you're going to set your mind on him. It's, if you love him, you're going to set your mind on him. Like marriage, for example. I'm going to set my attention and my love on my wife not on pornography i'm going to set my life and my eyes on her and not another woman same thing applies we need to set our mind on christ and not the things of the world because if we do and we fall into it we are adulterers as james chapter 4 says you adulterous people do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be friend of the world makes himself. 
when you're friends of the world, you are choosing, because you love the world more than you love Christ, you're choosing to make yourself an enemy of God. Choose wisely. Don't just love Jesus. Don't just like Jesus, but what? Love Jesus. So here's my confession number three. I confess that this truly is a struggle. <laughs> it really is. I like to be liked by people. Anybody not like to be liked by people? Okay, we all like to be liked by people, right? All right? Uh, but in this, and I like the things of the world, but watch this, but not as much as I used to. All right? Just kind of like marriage, I, I'm learning to love Jesus more than I love the world. And it's difficult. I'll give you, give you an example. Um, and this is just minor. You can take it whatever direction that you want to. But it's a struggle to balance the world versus love, loving God. Like, I have a really nice truck. It's just a nice truck. It has 86,000, probably now 88,000 miles on it. It does everything we need. And it's paid off. Can I get an amen on that? In fact, it's not only paid off, it was a gift from my father-in-law. He gave it to me. It's awesome. It's a great truck. Check engine lights on and everything, but it's still running fine. It's great. All right. But the other day, but the other day, I drove to somebody's house and I saw a truck. Like when I said a truck, guys, can I get an amen on the truck? All right, all right, oh, all right, all right. The truck. Now, this truck was like lifted up 17 feet in the air. It had the spinny wheel thingy, my bobbers. It was black, just just as beautiful. It had the bed that I wanted. It had the double cab. It had it like had everything to it. I'm like, to be a prosperity preacher is not that bad right now. What that would be like. <laughs> But in all seriousness, I, I, I longed for the truck. I really did. I longed for that thing of the world. Why? Because I wanted to be liked by other people going down the road. But I said, yeah, look at me. Look at me. The truck was the same truck, basically. It had a bed. It had a driver's seat. And it had a wheels. Same as my truck. But I longed for the worldly truck versus the truck that was paid off. Ladies and gentlemen, I still struggle with the things of wanting the worldly things more than I love Jesus. I was not content. I wanted those things. And maybe you can feel the same way in whatever capacity that might, that might be. You're loving the things of the world and the people of the world more than you're loving Christ Jesus. And that got me thinking about this truck illustration. This is a perfect example dealing with our spiritual walk of loving Jesus or liking Jesus. We like the bells, the whistles, the trucks, the aka the sinful desires of our flesh. We, we really like that. We like the things of the world, the pleasures of the world, the passions of the world. We like it. Why? Because everybody's doing it. But you know the truck of our world is Jesus Christ. It's paid off. It's sacrificial. And he's all that we need. We need to choose wisely, not as the world chooses, but as Christ offers it to us. So as I confess, I sometimes like the world more than I love Jesus. So what are some fruits of loving Jesus? What are some proofs? 
So for the rest of the sermon, and I mentioned this to, to the first service, is simply this. I want you to pay very close attention. At this moment in the sermon, most sermons at this moment, either people get fidgety, they get tired, they get weary, they get comfortable and start nosing off. It happens in every church, especially ours, because I preach long. So, all right. So at this moment, I want you to come back. Let's refocus. Because now the decision is, if you love Jesus, do you love Jesus? Yes or no? Okay, so if you love Jesus, this is how we're supposed to live our life according to loving. Now, I'm going to pause. If you're in this room right now and you're like, I can relate to the, the liking of Jesus, a.k.a. you might not be saved, for the rest of the sermon, think about this. You are a sinner. You are in need of a Savior. Jesus is the Savior who demonstrates his own love for you that while you're still sinners, Christ Jesus died for you. He rose from the dead, conquering sin and death so that you can have a personal relationship with him. All I'm going to ask you to do, if you don't know Jesus, focus in on moving from liking him to loving him by making a commitment to him. Now, for those of you who are committed to Christ, may you love him more. And how do we do this? The proof of your love is listening to God and doing what he says, not out of a desire, receiving benefits, or even obligation, but loving in obedience to him as Lord in life and in what? Death. Let me read that again. Your number one proof, ladies and gentlemen, of your love for Jesus is listening to God and what? Doing what he says. For example, side note, how am I going to prove to my wife that I love her? I'm going to listen to her and do what she says, right? And same thing for her. How does she know she's going to, we're going to work together in this. Now, works don't save you. It's the fruit. We're moving now into you're saved, you're committed. What does love look like? Not thinking of benefits, not out of obligation, but obedient in life. So here's proof of life, proof of life. Let's just think about this. Why do you, this is what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and what? Not do what I am telling you. So our theme for this year is simply what? Why not? You can see it right here in this passage. If you say you love him, that he's Lord, Lord, why not do what he says? Why are we neglecting obvious teaching? And the obvious teaching for today, and I'm going to get to some more tomorrow or next week, more practical, is here's the big picture. Why not love him most this year and every day? The obvious teaching is Jesus is better, so do what he says. You with me? So that's the obvious teaching. And this is what Jesus is saying here. It's like, it simply says, Lord, Lord, and not do what it says. Anyone who comes to me and hears the words and what? Does them. I will show him what his life is like. So he's about to do a parable. He is like a man who built his house on, on who built his house, dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the floods rose, a.k.a. dealing with life, and streams broke against the house, against our life, it could not be shaken. It could not shake it. Why? Because it had been well, what? Built. It's been built on the rock. And the rock in this is the illustration of Jesus. 
But the one who hears the words of, and does not do them is like a man who builds his house on the ground and without a foundation. And when the streams broke against it, it immediately fell and was ruined. And ruin of that house was great. So here's my confession, and I'll try to illustrate this best again. I confess that I still struggle with this. I really still struggle with not being fully dug down deep um, on Jesus Christ as a foundation. And you're like, what are you talking about, Dave? You're a pastor. And this is not a salvation thing, ladies and gentlemen. This is your life on who you stand. Here's an example. Why not, David, build your life fully dug down deep that when anything comes, I can't sway left and right? This is what I desire. Why not, David, why not church be so focused in on the rock and firmly founded on him? Again, this is not salvation. This is the fruit of our love versus being over here and wishy-washy type of, type of thing. And when the storms of life come, you're like, ah, I'm going to like melt. Okay, so for example, just give you a little example. <sighs> I confess I'm not very patient, okay? I confess that I'm not very patient. So, But part of my confession is I'm not patient. Why? Because, watch this, if I'm truly founded upon Jesus, I will be, what? Patient. And fill in the blank for yourself also. But, honestly, it's just like, I'm many times over here. I know it's good to be patient, and I know trusting in him, and I know he's going to take care of, but I'm over here. It's like on the sand. It's like, hurry up, God. It's not, not, these people are so slow. And part of this confession is to you, just like, let's go. I'm being impatient with you. And God's like over here, just, I'm working on them. It's okay, it's okay. So my encouragement to you is, where, where are you weak? Patience for me is a difficult one. But if I'm truly rooted in God's word, I'm truly rooted in loving him, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be tenderhearted. The fruit of the Spirit. So maybe you're like me and you're not dug down deep. And you're wishy-washy. When life and storms come, you and I will be blowed down. But what if? This year we truly love him more than anything else. And I confess that this is still a struggle for me in my life. Now let me encourage you with this latter part of the statement. The proof of your love for Jesus. And again, I'm going to ask you, Catalysters, do you really want to love Jesus more this year? I'm going to ask you again for the three of you who responded. Do you, Catalysters, literally, do you truly want to love God more this year? Yes or no? Okay, so the latter part is listen to God, do what he says, not out of obligation or what he can give you in your life and in what? In death. Now, this death, as I'm about to refer to, is not your is not your physical death, is your spiritual death. Let me explain. So the proof of your love for Jesus is living committed to him as if you actually had a wedding ring on your heart, which technically is the Holy Spirit. It says this in Galatians chapter two, I have been what? 
crucified with Christ. I have died with Christ. I have, if we are in love with him and Jesus, you're going to commit your life to him and you're going to be, I'm crucified. It's no longer what? It's no longer I who what? Live. It's what? Christ who lives in me. But the life that I now live because I've been dead in Christ, in Christ Jesus crucified, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me in order for you to prove, not only to yourself, but to others, whatever, that you truly love Jesus, you're going to die to yourself. You're going to crucify your desires and follow him. Also, proof of the love is crucifying the flesh and the desires and the passions and desires. I mean, think about this. I'm just... Do you love Jesus more than you love your pornography? Do you love Jesus more than you love your work ethic? Do you love Jesus more than you love the the white picket fenced house thing? Do you love Jesus more than you love the truck? Fill in the blank, ladies and gentlemen. Do you love blank more? In order for us to prove that we love Jesus more, We have to crucify the flesh and the passions and the desires and love him more. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So kind of the question is, do you love those things more than you love Jesus? And then lastly, in this, The proof of your love for Jesus is denying your love for yourself and following Jesus as your primary love. I want your attention up here. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about loving him with all of your life. Luke 9 says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, he must what? He must what? Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow him. Out of all those, ladies and gentlemen, I can be honest in my fifth confession that it's difficult. And I confess that I have and sometimes do love the church. Love you guys. Love doing church stuffy things. Religious things of works and so on and so forth. I love those doing those things. Sometimes more than I've loved Jesus. I'm going to say that again. I confess that there are many times that I love the church more than I love Jesus. And for this, I confess that this is not the way that I should be living. I should love Jesus, what? First. You second. Myself last. Have you ever seen the, um, the acrostic joy? Have you ever seen that? J means Jesus first. O means others second. Y means yourself, what? Last. Do you want to have joy in your life? Make sure Jesus is your first love. And this ladies and gentlemen, comes down to where the rubber meets the road.
The church in Ephesus, Jesus wrote to in the book of Revelation, and he had some kind words to say to them, and he also had some tough words to say to them. And today is the tough day where we get to be reminded of where our love used to be. Because, ladies and gentlemen, can you agree that this statement applies to you too? In fact, why don't you fill in the blank for yourself? Do you, fill in the blank of your name, Joe, do you or have you loved blank more than you loved Jesus? Just think about this. Fill in your name. And by the way, this is in the worship guide if you want to write down your confession as well. I've said that I confess that I love the church more than I love Jesus. What would you fill in the blank? Maybe it's, I love working, I love money, I love family, I love whatever, more than you love Jesus. What would that statement be? And now, let's heed the warning of Jesus to the church in Ephesus and bring it home to us. And this is what it says. Or Revelation chapter 2, 1 through 5, it says this. And to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I what? No. I, Jesus says, he's the I writing this, I know. Listen to me. You can fake it to make it in church, in the world, but he knows if you truly love him more than fill in the blank. He's like, I, I know, he's about to say, I know all the good things that you do, but I know also that you don't love me. He's talking to the church of Ephesus. I want you to know, listen, you can't Fake it with Jesus. Why? Because he, what? He knows. You can fake it to me. You can fake it with your spouse. You can fake it to anybody, but you can't fake it to him. But know this. He knows how much you love him or not. So let's continue. I know your works, he says, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with, with those who, who are evil and are tested, um, who call themselves, who who tested who calls themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false i know he says i know you about your patience your endurance patience which i'm still struggling endure patience and bearing up for my name and you have grown and but you have not grown weary i wish jesus would have stopped right there i wish you would have just like just right there. And I've been, yes, I can relate to that because I can relate to this passage. When it comes to false teaching, ladies and gentlemen, I ain't going to put up with that junk. We're going to focus on sound teaching here and every day. I want to patiently endure you and me as we do this. I want to work hard and I do not want to be weary in doing this. Would you agree with this? Would you agree that yes, doing stuff is great? But, and I want you to hear, for those of you who are serving, growing, and so on and so forth, 
I pray that you're not doing this out of obligation. We'll talk about this next week. I pray that you're not doing this out of obligation, but out of true love for Jesus. And this is what the latter part of this passage is going to say. So first, he's like, I know you're doing good. I know you're sound teaching. I, I know church in Ephesus. I know Catalyst Church. I know Dave. I know you're trying. You're doing your best. And then there's a but. But I, but Jesus has this against you, church of Ephesus, and to us. That you have abandoned the love you had at first. What he's saying is, I know you're doing good, but I miss your love for me for doing it because you love me. The word abandoned here is the same of you adulterous people. That's the same mindset of you have adultered, you have hold yourself out to the things of this world and not to, and not to loving and being committed to me. I have this against you that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. So he's about to share on what we can do to make it right. So I want us to really think about this. This is our next step, ladies and gentlemen. This is what now. The what now is this. Remember, flash back to the moment that you love Jesus the most. So let, let's just think about this. Do you remember that time, Christ follower, that you were so in love with Jesus and you were just all in? Do you remember that? Remember that? I met somebody on the way out and he's like, Dave, I, I, when I first came, came to know Christ, I was so on fire for him, nobody could shut me up. I'm like, that's what this is talking about. And like, I asked the person, how are you doing? He's like, yeah, I'm just lazy. Same thing applies to each and every one of us. Do you remember that time when you were deeply in love with Jesus? Come back to that. Come back. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, repent, come back, turn, come back. Ask Jesus for forgiveness, and he will forgive and then do the works that you did at first. Do these works, but from the place of loving him. But here's the scary thing. If what? Not. He's like, continue. if you continue to do the works as you did, but you don't do it from a place of love in me, I will, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you what? Remove the lampstand is basically referring to I'm going to remove my blessing, my power, my influence, my spirit's anointing upon you if you don't love me first. I have a simple question of simply this. Why not? Why not? And my last confession is as simple as it can be. There was a time that I was so passionate about doing things for God instead of doing things with God. And I'm here to confess as your pastor and friend, listen, I want to be back. Loving Jesus first. And I've start, tried to start it in January 1st. I knew that this was coming. And I asked myself, why not obvious teaching of loving him more? And I'm going to, I need your help with this accountability thing. 
May I love Jesus first and doing it with him, not just doing it for him. So if you wouldn't mind bowing your head and closing your eyes as we have a short time of reflection and then we can go. Catalyst Church, I would love for you to remember back to that moment or those moments or those years or those days or the weeks that you loved Jesus so much. Just think back to those moments. And if there is any desire to come back to him, your first love, it's time to repent. It's time to come to Jesus now in his grace and his love and forgiveness and to come back to him. So spend some time talking to him in repentance and just letting him know, hey, I love this, I love that, I love them more than I love you and forgive me for prioritizing my time incorrectly. Spend some time in time of reflection and repentance. For those of you who are not believers, you've had the last 30 minutes to kind of think through this. Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? So the believers are praying right now in repentance, and you get to as well. If this is you and you like Jesus, but you don't love Jesus, know this. He loves you so much that he demonstrates his love for you by dying on the cross to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness to all who would believe. Would you today say yes to Jesus and make a commitment to him today? Be forgiven of your sins and make him Lord, Savior, of your life. If that is you and you're like, Dave, I, I just need to fall in love with Jesus and surrender my life to him for the first time as Lord and Savior. You can pray something like this in your mind. The prayer does not save you. It's your heart's desire. Say something like this. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe and have faith that you came. You did die. And you rose again to forgive me of my sins. Thank you for displaying your love for me. And may you help me to love you more than anybody or anything else. If you prayed that and you meant that, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, if you meant that prayer, pop up your hand and put it right back down. All right, fantastic. Put your hands down. Catalyst, if you can look at me, please. What if? What if you and I this year, we were just all in? Why not? Why not just obviously love him more than anybody or anything else? Because he loves you this much. Why not? So next week we're going to be talking about the practical teachings of that we should not neglect. But today we're going to leave was singing the song that we just got introduced. And I pray that when it comes to the hallelujah parts, that you declare that it's better with Jesus than the world. It's better with loving him than anything or anybody else. So we are going to leave, 
and we're going to sing this song as a true surrendered um, act of worship. As Rachel said, this is a song of surrender. So let's stand, let's sing, and let's worship the one that we're surrendering to. <laughs>